0: Well, we are um, continuing in our, se- well, actually, you know, we thought this would be a part of what on earth is happening. Uh, we thought it was a good uh, subsequent series to tag on to that, because if we look at, in the world, what is happening, mm-hmm. then we have to ask ourselves, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> Which led us to uh, wanting to explain better about spiritual warfare. And I know I was thinking we just did a series not that long ago on winning the war in your mind. Yes. Um, so the, our thought life, how we think, is so vital uh, to whether we become overcomers in this life. And so we we are talking to you about understanding spiritual warfare. That's what the title is to this message. And we're going to be looking at the armor of God in the subsequent mm-hmm. weeks. I mean, it's going to take us a little while, I think, to get through every piece, but we will get through it. Uh, Because the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians church in Ephesians chapter 6 that we should be strong in the Lord and put on that armor. Um, And so open up to Ephesians 6. We're going to eventually get there this morning. I'm going to pray as we open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. This should become eventually a pretty familiar scripture to you as we go through this series. So, Father, I pray that you help us understand as we open up your word this morning. Help us understand what spiritual warfare is. Mm -hmm. I pray you help us, Holy Spirit, to understand how to recognize it and stand against it in our mind and in our thought life. Uh, According to your word, Lord, we know that you've given us armor, that we could be uh, overcomers in this life. And so our desire, Lord, is to be an overcomer and to bring you glory and honor as we do that and so we dedicate this time to you lord we just set this time apart i pray father that uh, we have ears to hear and hearts that desire to obey what we hear in jesus name amen amen amen, amen. so speaking of the armor of god we thought we'd show you first this picture <laughs> <laughs> Our daughter sent us this picture just this week. She's like, Mom, look what Adrielle brought home from school. And it was like, yes, we're talking about the armor of God in church. <laughs> That's so, if you can see it closely, it's got all those all the parts labeled, the spear, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith, and the belt of the truth. Belt of truth. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the gospel of peace on the feet. And I thought, it just puts such a big smile on our face. They go to, her children go to a Christian school, and so... They're learning about this. But I thought how vital it is for kids to understand this. Didn't you wish that you knew this at a young oh, age? Oh <laughs> my gosh. What the armor wow. of God was and how to walk in it. Yes. And so, uh, to help us, though, this morning understand better about spiritual warfare, uh, we wanted to share with you a few videos. We've been sort of in this video kick, which will help us. Uh, in our knowledge and understanding of the spirit realm, mm-hmm. and Community Life Church has been reading through this year the Bible on the U version, and there's a, a Bible project version of it. That, their plan, uh, and they frequently sporadically put out a video to help you understand the book that you're reading in the context of what you're reading, and it's been very helpful. Anybody who's been yeah. reading it, I think you, you can find them very insightful. Because uh, as a 21st-century American, it's really pretty easy to read the Bible with your own 21st-century cultural bias. You're like yes. going, I don't get this. I don't understand this. and Which is really why I think we have so many people, even in the body of Christ, shrugging off this understanding that right. the spirit world is real. And that there are spiritual beings. It's like, ha, 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 you know, we know better than that. That's just all imaginary. But it's far from imaginary. And the ancient Hebrew understood, absolutely believed in the spirit world, and the spirit beings in, the, in that realm interacting for good and evil right. with the people on the earth. And this is important for us to understand if we are going to uh, gain insight and actually become aware of how spiritual warfare is still happening with us today
1: and how to battle and
0: how to battle yeah and so let's look at this scripture from Ephesians six 12. we've been looking at this week to week for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood people are not our enemy But against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness. Against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly sphere. What are we supposed to do then? Next verse, verse 13. Therefore, put on God's complete armor. That you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day. And having done all, to stand firmly in your place. And we really need to know how to do that yep. in the day and time that we live in.
1: There's a scripture There's... that says that Paul says he doesn't box the air. He doesn't beat the air. That means he, he really is on target. And that's what we want to have happen with this church, the people of this church. We want all Christians to not just uh, beat the air. We want you to be on target. We want you to make the hit proper, and we want you to do it effectively. And really what's happening now throughout this entire world is the Lord is, is sifting. He's sifting. Uh, he's, he's actually, throughout the Bible you'll read that God himself tests people. And that's what's happening now. God is sifting, he's testing, he's refining, he's purifying his church. Not just his church, but even in all of this, he's doing this to draw people to himself. And the key is in this is that, the reason we're doing this is because we want you to be ready to meet him. Yeah. I mean, ready to meet him. And we want you to meet him with confidence and in peace and in joy. What's happening now because of this warfare? There's a, a, like God said, he was going to send a great delusion. There's a a monster delusion happening in this world. Deception is everywhere we look. Uh, The Bible declares that there's going to be an apostasy in these last days like never before. People have fallen away from the Lord uh, throughout history. But this is going to be really ramped up in the church these days toward the end of time, so to speak. And there's going to come a time when the Antichrist himself is going to be manifest. And he's part of the deception. He's bringing this deception together. Now, there, if you know your Bible, then First John chapter 2, he talks about that there have been many Antichrists that have gone out since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but this is going to be the Antichrist. And this Antichrist will become a world ruler and after the temple is built in Jerusalem he'll walk into the temple and declare to the world that he is god and this this is <laughs> this is really important for us to understand these things that are happening now are all prophesied in the bible they're spoken about in the bible and this strong delusion this this deception Is The Bible says even if it were possible that it would even deceive God's elect. And if Jesus and if God the Father and the Holy Spirit didn't cut short the time, no one would live. That's what happens when you let the devil go. But we have the ability to fight him. And this is what we're going to learn. This is where we're going to step up. And we're going to be warriors for God. He's called us soldiers in His army, so we want to put on the complete armor <laughs> and not miss a piece. Amen.
0: You know, I think about the, the Antichrist's goal to set himself up as God, and you just you see so many um, hints of that. Mm-hmm. Right now, where, uh, I, people remaking God into their own image, and I thought, like, if you saw in the news the latest news in the Church of England <laughs> they're discussing whether you know, to change their worship liturgy into more inclusive language in other words to rewrite words for God and the reference to him as he into a gender-neutral pronoun
1: yeah, yeah. he's not the father the no.
0: rationale and this is I'm just quoting the rationale is quote since Christians have recognized since ancient times that God is neither male nor female well, I thought, um, I'm not sure where you get that. <laughs> God is non-binary. <laughs> I mean, it's false. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's false, and it's not scriptural. I mean, Scripture declares that Jesus is the express image of the Father, that he revealed the Father,
2: mm-hmm. male.
0: Come on. And I'm pretty sure when Jesus was born... That Mary and Joseph, like, weren't confused about his gender. Like, should we mark the birth certificate? Male, female, or X? Maybe. Well,
1: I don't know. Should <laughs> yeah. we do a circumcision or not? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I don't, true. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, remaking God into our own image is an idolatry. Yes. And, and this is all part of the deception Part of really, we're seeing the delusion that's prophesied in Scripture yes. in manifestation. Like you could read the news and because you could just, well, it is shocking. <laughs> but sometimes you have to just remind yourself, this is all part of the delusion that's coming forth in the earth that people are getting drawn to and sitting there as though they're in their rational mind going, we should consider this. <laughs> but let's just look at Revelation twenty two eighteen, just as a good reminder Really Apostle important. John wrote this, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, that if, you, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. That we should not be adding to scripture right. or changing scripture. God into a non-binary God just to suit the diversity you know, and the the words of the day, the pronouns of the day. Let's look at a couple other scriptures just to remind ourselves. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by who? Demons. Demons. 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And just by the way, too, I thought we were talking about this yesterday. If you were gonna watch the Super Bowl, there's going to be an ad, I don't know, maybe one, or maybe more than one, but it's, by, it's sponsored by a group that's called He Gets Us. Just be aware and have your spiritual discernment on as you yep. watch that commercial on He Gets Us. Because the description of Jesus is as a rebel, and they put him, you know, as someone just, they, they, they correlate him with an immigrant who had no home, but when they show him as a rebel, it really skews the meaning you know, that he came to free captives. And so in, his, in that sense, he understands a rebel's mindset. But watch and see how they dress the rebel. I, I, I believe that he gets us is, mm-hmm. Not all, is going to pull up up. people away from the true meaning of Scripture. And so I just invite you to watch it. And maybe when you come back and you, you see us next week, you could say, "Tell us what you think on that." because yeah. our role as pastors and yeah,
1: true yeah. Our, our role as pastors and shepherds is to you know feed you spiritual food to give you knowledge that will help you discern truth from an error to protect you from uh, wolves, because we know there are wolves everywhere these days. We want to equip you to do the work of the kingdom. We want you to live lives that glorify Jesus. We want you to live lives that are are pure and holy. Uh, We want you to be aware that the enemy and his tactics is out to kill, steal, and destroy. We want you to understand that part of his mode of operation is partial truths. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And this is why you need to be in the Word. You have to understand the Word. You have to uh, gather together because when we do gather together, there is something that supernaturally happens. You might not uh, understand it uh, because I don't fully understand it. But what happens is that there is something that supernaturally happens that God actually imparts himself to us even when we're here. As we pay attention, as we learn, as we grow in the things of God, as we our hearts desire to worship Him, God is all the time, He is active and busy changing and turning us into the image and the likeness of Himself. And these are supernatural things that uh, you, you just simply have to believe that that's what's happening. And you have to believe it Jim because He said so. It's not exactly what He said, it's who said it?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Who said it? And these these Pastor Mamie made mention of he gets us. What a lot of that is is conforming Jesus into your own image. Yeah. We change. He doesn't. Yeah. Amen.
0: Of course he gets us. He came he to deliver created us you. <laughs> and take us back this direction. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, to help us understand, yeah. Pastor Mamie said that we are yeah. going to be watching four videos. These videos, honestly, I'm very excited about these because it took a long time for us to understand this, a lot of studying to understand this. And these four videos, I mean, it's only going to be 16 minutes. I mean, these videos, if you're paying attention, could leapfrog you over years of study.
0: Or they could, and they also may pull you into some study. You know, you can't get yeah, that's for sure. everything in f- 50 minutes on a Sunday morning in a sermon. We should be people who study the scriptures. Yeah. And so we should be aware the Holy Spirit is drawing us to go, I, if you have a question or I want to know more about this, study it out. Yeah. This is how we learn how to have greater spiritual discernment uh, and can help others. which which is really what it's about, too. We want to help draw other people to the light. So the first video uh, is on, these are like only maybe five minutes or so each or four minutes, but it's on spiritual beings that God has created that are different from human beings. All right. The second video gets into the understanding of the word Elohim and It'll explain the meaning of the word Elohim, because often we think of Elohim only as the word for God Almighty. So you just have to listen to that Mm -hmm. one. And the third video then will explain the Satan and demons and their activity. And I did say the Satan, and the video will help us understand Mm -hmm. and explain that. And then the fourth video is God's recreation of humanity through the work of Christ. And then after the videos, we'll, ex- we'll talk some more about understanding yep. spiritual warfare.
2: Okay. If you pick up the Bible, you don't have to read far before you meet the main character, God. Yeah,
3: he appears in the Bible's first sentence. And then later on page one, you meet the humans.
2: And there you have it. The two main players in the Bible, God and humans on the stage of our world.
3: Well, not quite. In the Bible, there's actually a way bigger cast of characters than just humans and God. Like who? I mean the figures called the Elohim in the Hebrew scriptures. Angels, the Satan, demons, they're all over the story.
2: Oh right, spiritual beings. To be honest, I've never really known what to do with them. It's all kind of weird.
3: And unfortunately, almost all of our modern conceptions about these beings are based on serious misunderstandings.
2: Alright, so let's talk about spiritual beings in the story of the Bible.
3: So, first thing we have to do is reorient ourselves to how the ancient biblical authors saw the world. On pages 1 and 2 of Genesis, God brings order to a watery wilderness, separating the skies above from the land below.
2: Right, this is earth where we live, and then there is the heavens high above, which they saw as God's domain. But in the Bible, these spaces
3: are not separate, they overlap. And In fact, the Garden of Eden is described throughout the Bible as a high mountain garden where heaven and earth are one. So that's the world. Now it needs some creatures. God first creates and appoints the sun, moon, and stars to
2: rule the day and night. You mean the giant flaming gas balls in the sky.
3: Well, that's how you think about them. But the biblical authors, like all ancient people, saw them as heavenly creatures that are glorious, shining bright, and high above.
2: Which is strange. I don't think of stars
3: as creatures. Well, you don't. But for the biblical authors, the stars formed their categories for thinking and talking about a spiritual reality that exists alongside ours. And it is a different kind of reality, just like the sky is different from the land. And it is populated with creatures that have different kinds of bodies, shiny spiritual bodies.
2: Okay, so almost all ancient cultures thought of the stars as divine beings, including the ancient Israelites.
3: But the biblical authors make clear that these beings are not God, rather they are images of God. Their glory and high status is a reflection of the creator's glory and status, and
2: they exist to serve his purposes. So the stars symbolize beings who are like God's heavenly staff team. Right.
3: Now let's go back, because after God appointed the heavenly host, he also appointed another type of creature. The humans. Yeah, in Hebrew they're called Adam, which sounds like the Hebrew word for dirt because that's what they're made of.
2: So glorious rulers above and hairy sapiens below.
3: But then comes the great twist. God tells the lowly humans that they are to rule all of creation. He invites them to rise above their dirty origins and share in God's glory as his partners.
2: So God wants to rule the world through humans and not the spiritual beings.
3: Exactly. This is how the poet of Psalm 8 understood the stories of Genesis.
2: He looked up at the stars and says, What is humanity that you consider him? You made him lower than the spiritual beings but crowned him with glory and divine majesty. This is
3: humanity's high calling, to rule creation in the love and power of God. Very cool. But not everyone's happy. We're introduced to a spiritual being who doesn't want humans to rule. So he tricks them into thinking that they can get divine power on their own terms.
2: They're deceived and they take the opportunity.
3: So they're banished from the Eden Mountain, exiled to wander the earth and return to the dust.
2: This snake is bad news.
3: Yeah, and as you read on, you discover that he's part of a spiritual rebellion that follows the humans outside of Eden, and things get worse from here.
2: The humans still desire to rule, so they start a new project.
3: Yes, in the Bible, this is called Babylon. It's the anti Eden, where human and spiritual rebels join together to elevate themselves back to their former glory. And so, With all that in mind, we can now appreciate the full cast of characters that we meet in the biblical story.
2: God, humans, and all of the spiritual beings. Exactly. When most people think about the story of the Bible... They think of a story about God and humans. But remember, we learned
3: that there's a whole other cast of characters that appears throughout the Bible and plays a really important role. Right,
2: spiritual beings,
3: angels, demons, and the like. Right, and in the Bible, they inhabit the heavenly realm, which is parallel to our earthly reality and actually overlaps with it.
2: Now, all of these spiritual beings have their own unique characteristics.
3: But here is what is fascinating. The biblical authors have one word that can refer to all the inhabitants of the spiritual realm. In Old Testament Hebrew, the word is Elohim, and in New Testament Greek, it is Theos. But here is the thing. This word gets translated in lots of different ways depending on which being is referred to. Angels, gods with a lowercase g, or even God with a capital G.
2: Wait, so one word can refer to any of these beings?
3: Yeah. It's because Elohim is a category title. It can designate any spiritual being that belongs to the heavenly realm. Okay, a title, not a name. Like the word mom. Yeah, right. The word mom can refer to lots of really different kinds of people, but they all share in common the same role in a family. And then let's say a group of brothers and sisters are talking, and one says, hey, it's mom's birthday. They're using the title
2: like it's a name. But it would be clear that they're referring not to any mom, but their mom.
3: Yes, and the same goes for the biblical authors. They called their god Yahweh, which is the name revealed to Moses. But they also sometimes refer to him with the category title Elohim, using it like a name, because they all know who they're referring to.
2: Okay, but don't the biblical authors think that Yahweh is in a class of his own, not like any other? They do, which is why they say things like Yahweh is the Elohim of Elohim that is, the chief Elohim
3: among all the others. Or they'll say there's no Elohim beside Yahweh, meaning no other spiritual being compares to him because only he is the ruler and creator of all things.
2: Okay, I'm following, but I thought the Bible taught monotheism, which means there's just one God. Well, the biblical authors are claiming that
3: among all of the spiritual beings out there, only one is the source and creator of all things, including the Elohim. That is biblical monotheism, that one Elohim, Yahweh, is above all other Elohim, that is, the other spiritual beings. Now, with all that said, we are ready to learn more about who these other Elohim are and how they fit into the biblical story.
2: So, we have been learning about spiritual beings in the Bible and I still have a lot of questions about the bad ones. Well, great! Let us talk
3: about the Satan and demons in the story of the Bible. So, let us start in the beginning. In Genesis 1, God creates a beautiful ordered reality out of darkness and disorder so that life can flourish. He appoints humans as his representatives to rule over all of it and seven times God calls it good. Yeah, I experience that kind of goodness often in the world in things like beauty and truth, love and generosity. But in Genesis 3, we meet a creature who is in a state of rebellion against his creator. We're not told yet why or how he rebels, but he's on a mission to ruin God's good world for other creatures. This thing is trouble. Yeah, this creature is the Bible's first portrait of evil. It distorts what God has purposed for good, ruining and dragging creation back into darkness and disorder. So the humans join the spiritual rebel, which leads them back into chaos and death. And from this point on, the human rebellion is interwoven with a spiritual rebellion. And the biblical story shows how this happens over and over again. Okay, but wait, we're getting all this from a slithering snake? Well, there are clues in the story that it's more than just a snake. Remember, Eden is a high place where the earth and its creatures overlap with heaven and its creatures. So, the snake
2: could be a spiritual
3: being. Well, Genesis 3 points in that direction and then later biblical authors fill in the picture. Like when the prophet Isaiah has a vision of God's heavenly throne room, he's surrounded and being praised by the spiritual beings. Yeah, these are the cherubim around God's throne. But when Isaiah sees these creatures, he describes them as seraphim, which
2: in Hebrew means Snake. Ah, so the snake is like a former staff member in God's throne room. So why is he talking to the humans? Well, the prophet Ezekiel
3: understood this figure as a spiritual rebel who did not want to live under God's wisdom and authority. He wanted to be God.
2: Ah, right. That is the same temptation the snake puts before Adam and
3: Eve. Exactly. He says they could rule the world like God, but by their own wisdom. So they are all kicked out of the garden. Yeah, God says this rebel will now crawl on its belly. Where does it go after this? Well, the biblical authors offer subtle clues where this being is at work behind the scenes, animating division and hatred between humans. They also use a variety of images to describe this being. It is a snake, or a sea dragon, or a dark desert creature, or the king of death in the grave. He's also given many titles, like Tempter, or the Evil One, or the Devil, which in Greek means the Slanderer. But his name is Satan, right? Actually, no. Satan is not a name. It's another one of these titles, which is why in Hebrew it has the word the in front of it. The Satan means the adversary, because he isn't for anything, rather, he's anti everything working through lies to drag us back into darkness and disorder. That is intense.
2: Now, what about these other spiritual rebels in the Bible called demons? What are they all about?
3: Okay, so remember the concept of God's heavenly staff team, the divine council or the sons of God. In the Hebrew scriptures, we are told that some of these rebelled too. When did that happen? Multiple times, actually. After the snake comes the rebellion of the sons of God in Genesis 6. We're told that they have sex with women who then give birth to violent warrior giants. Oh right, the Nephilim. These are probably the strangest characters in the whole Bible. Well, strange from your point of view. But ancient readers knew exactly what was going on. The ancient kingdoms around Israel claimed to be founded and protected by giant warrior kings who were part human, part god, and filled with divine wisdom. Ah, I see. So the biblical authors are saying, hey, those warrior kings, they shouldn't be honored. Right. In this story, they are portrayed as human rebels who are captive to spiritual evil, spreading their violence in God's good world. Yeah, and one of those kings in Genesis 10 goes on to build the city of Babylon. Yes, Nimrod, whose name sounds like the Hebrew word for rebel. And his kingdom leads to the next rebellion where humans exalt themselves in Babylon. But God scatters that rebellion. And when Moses in Deuteronomy looks back at that story, he says that is the moment when God handed over the nations to worship the rebel host of heaven, the gods of money, sex, and military power. Moses is the first one to call them demons, that is, lesser
2: spiritual beings. So demons are spiritual forces at work behind corrupt human power structures.
3: Yes, but in the Bible they also work on the personal level, animating and exploiting humanity's greed and selfishness, as well as the weakness of our mortal bodies. In the Bible, spiritual evil is at work in anything that drags God's good creation back into chaos, darkness
2: and death. So, this is why when Jesus arrives on the scene, he said his primary enemy is not human. Right. Jesus and his first followers viewed all the pain
3: and suffering in God's good world as a sign of its captivity to death and spiritual evil. But they did not think this was the end of the story. Right. Jesus knew that the only way out of this cosmic ruin is to overcome evil and death itself even if it costs it everything.
2: In the story of the Bible there are two realms, the earth where we live And the heavens, where God lives. And we have been talking about the spiritual beings. The
3: Elohim, the divine council, angels and cherubim, the Satan and demons. And the last character we want to focus on is humanity.
2: Now, humans are not spiritual beings. In Genesis 1 and 2, they are made of the dirt, like the animals. But notice that God calls humans to become
3: something more. He elevates them to live and rule in Eden, the place where heaven and earth are one and they are invited to eat from the tree of life. What does that mean, to eat of the tree of life? Well, it is an image of receiving God's own eternal life into yourself. It is about a whole new kind of existence. So wait, physical beings living forever, how could that even work? Well, somehow sharing in God's life transforms our bodies so that we can inhabit heaven and earth at the same time. And It also transforms our imagination
2: so that we learn how to rule the world like God in the power of love. This is an amazing calling, but humanity is quickly deceived by a spiritual rebel.
3: Yes, he lies to the humans, saying that they can rule and get eternal life on
2: their own terms, and God exiles all of them from the garden. They are cut off from the source of true life. Evil and death now have power over us, and we live in a world of fear, self-preservation, and violence. But God promises that one day
3: a human will come to defeat evil and death at their source and to open up a new way to a reunited heaven and earth. And this promise reaches its fulfillment in Jesus. Right, when we're introduced to Jesus, he's a human,
2: but he's also way more.
3: Yeah, we're told that in Jesus, God and humanity have become one
2: so that he can restore the rest of humanity to its lost calling. And Jesus was tested by that same deceptive spiritual being, not in a garden, but out in the wilderness. Yeah, it tells Jesus the same lie.
3: You could rule the whole world right now if you come under my authority and do things my way. But Jesus knew that that lie leads to death, so he rejected it. And was victorious over the spiritual power of evil. And so then Jesus started announcing that God's heavenly rule
2: was arriving here,
3: on earth, through him. And so he went around confronting the power of death in his and his exorcisms.
2: Jesus was opening the way back to eternal life, to rule with God and become new humans. Yes, he also confronted
3: our imaginations by teaching how corrupt spiritual powers enslave whole communities with their lies.
2: Lies like my tribe is superior to your tribe.
3: But Jesus said every human is an image of God. Or the lie that power comes through force. While Jesus taught that real power requires sacrifice and generosity. Or the lie that peace comes through violence. While he said that true peace comes through self-giving love. This is a new kind of humanity. Yeah, a humanity transformed by God's life and his love. And Jesus did not just talk about these ideals. He lived them out. Yeah, exactly. He brought God's heavenly kingdom to Jerusalem to confront the powers. In fact, that is what got him
2: arrested. Well, so maybe the way of Jesus can't win over evil.
3: But from Jesus' point of view, his coming death was actually a battle. A battle? Yeah, not against humans, but against the real enemy. The spiritual powers that enslave us through their lies. Jesus gave his life and let evil do its worst. But God's love has the power to create life, even out of death. That's what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And the reason Jesus is human, but a new kind of human. Yeah, when Jesus' followers met him alive from the dead, he had a transformed body that could live in heaven and earth at the same time. He's like a new category of humans, one that can live and rule with God forever. Jesus is the new humanity that we're called to become. Right. He said that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him, and then he sent out his followers to announce that his eternal life is available to us now, in the present. We can experience eternal life now? Well, Jesus said that eternal life is knowing this God of love so that our imaginations can be transformed as we are liberated to love God and to love our neighbor. And we trust that even if we die, God's love will transform our bodies and raise us up into the new creation.
2: And that is how the story of the Bible ends.
3: Yeah, the ending is a new beginning. With Jesus and the new humanity ruling in a united heaven and earth, together
0: lots of good stuff to think about yeah
1: it, we could we could tell from the very beginning of the Bible that there is there is this uh, warfare spiritual warfare taking place not just not just on the earth but in the heavenlies also and soon we're gonna be uh, Celebrating Easter, Jesus' passion. And you've got to consider all the forces of, of darkness, all the forces of evil uh, coming against the Christ at that time. <clears throat> but he gained the victory through his, his sinless life, his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And does anybody remember the Passion movie? it's it's tremendous if you have not seen that please uh order a copy it's something worth having in your home uh, but if you you take a look at that his his they're in the garden when Jesus is is really in a sense doing incredible spiritual warfare to the point of he is sweating drops of blood it, it shows that uh, of a figure, a, a demonic figure, in there that has a, a black robe with wh- hooded, and he his face is evil, and he's watching Jesus as he's praying to the Father and surrendering to the Father's will, because Jesus said, "Not my will, but Your will be done." And he the he would whisper, you know. Also, when Jesus was on the whipping post, you could still see this figure walking through, and he would say something like, "It's too." much. It's too much for one man to handle. I kept saying no, like, no, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, he's he's hoping that Jesus would call a legion of angels down and stop the whole thing, and if that would have occurred, you and I would never have been able to be saved at all, and so. But thank God, Jesus, the most courageous man that ever walked this earth, submitted fully and completely to God's plan. And it's, it's amazing because it was humility yeah. that brought the greatest power yeah. that defeated Satan in yeah. all of hell. Yeah. It was humility. All of that to bring us back to the life with him in God. Yeah. I you mean, know? Just
0: imagine the horrific and oppressive spiritual warfare that was going on as he's about to take on the weight of the sin of the people of the world, since the beginning of the world. I don't know that we could, I mean, you can't wrap your head around it, but there is a something inside of our hearts by faith that we mm-hmm. can touch it, you yes. know, with the heart of God. I think it helps us to understand just how much he's done for us and just how much... There is out there that wants to come also even against us, like as we navigate through this life, that there are that we must become aware of how to stand, having done all to stand against it, just as he stood we'll never stand right. against the forces as he did, I mean as many
1: we have to remember but, that we when we do battle when we do spiritual battle we we fight from a position of triumph already yeah we fight from a Position of victory over Satan, he wants to deceive you to think that he's all powerful. Listen, he's not. And Colossians, look at what happened. Now, this is a description. Paul once again, you know, the, the Rome ruled the world at that time, and this is what he writes here: God disarmed the principalities, the powers that were arrayed against us, and made a bold public display of them using them as an example in triumphing over them in Christ and through the cross. What that represents is Rome would conquer an enemy and what they would do is take all these prisoners captive. They would bring them back to the capital city of Rome and parade them through the main city streets, showing People that you do not have to fear these people anymore, they've been conquered, and this is exactly what he did. He made this parade in the spirit realm of all the demons and Satan and the Satan himself. He made that parade through the capital city to show the entire existence that Satan has been defeated. Once again, we fight from a position of victory. We fight from a position of power and authority. 1 John 4.4 4 helps us to understand this. He says, little children, you are of God. You belong to him and have defeated and overcome them, the agents of Antichrist, because he who lives in you is greater, mightier than he Who lives in the world. So we always approach a spiritual battle with confidence that we will overcome it because of what Jesus did. We live in him. He lives in us. This is a position of power. This is a position of authority over the devil over Satan, over uh, false imaginations. This is where we conquer the enemy. Listen, once we get a hold of this and start to exercise this, this is fun because you get to pound on the devil. All of our lives he has taken advantage of our, our lack of knowledge, of our, the fears that we have. But once we understand our position in Christ... He's going to back off. Yeah. That doesn't mean he's going to quit hassling you. That means the more you pound on him with the sword of the spirit, the less likely he's going to come and tempt you with the same things. Right. Because greater is he who's in you than he is yeah. in the world.
0: Yes. And his victory, what he was doing on the cross and then triumphing in resurrection. Yes. It, you know, his, he's like that scripture. He's parading as a victor the prisoners but he's doing that he did it for us and i think this is what we have to remember that he's offering through that now salvation and in that video it keeps showing those humans with little crowns on their head (laughs) that's us that's us that's you and i think this is part of where the really the the warfare hits because that's the biggest struggle have i been crowned with dignity and worth by christ did he raise me up to sit with him now in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? And what does that mean mm-hmm. to the worth of my life, to the purpose of my life? That's where the warfare takes place because if we disregard what salvation really brought us, the great salvation and what, it, what Jesus was doing in this whole bigger part of the story, we live a very low life yeah, in comparison yes. to who Christ has made us to be. Yeah. And so let's go back to Ephesians chapter six and the armor of God for a moment here. You know, one of those, in the, one of those videos, it says that the demons are the spiritual forces that are at work. It said not only behind all the corrupt uh, structures, power structures of the world, like we could go out there and say, you know, the government has been affected and big business yep. has been affected, but they're also at work on a personal level. Because really when you think about it, the people that are in charge of all those big power structures are individual people yes. that have been affected by the mindset of the spirit of the age. And so how do they affect us on a personal level? This is what this whole understanding of warfare is about. Come on. What they're doing is enticing you to, especially as a Christian, to live in your old nature. To consider, We're supposed to consider ourselves dead. Yes to the old man right and alive to Christ this is why we always say you've been made a new creation in Christ so mm-hmm. we have to find out who we really are
1: yes your identity is everything
0: otherwise we live according to the old man with the old mindsets the old reactions the old feelings and we just we just call ourselves a Christian but we live a much lower level of life and so I thought how did we illustrate this I put we Put a little chart together. If you think
1: this is really cool,
0: you know, think the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. There on the left, on your left side, are the nine fruits of the spirit. Okay, this, this is who we are in Christ. This is our new nature. Yes, these characteristics should be coming more and more alive in us if we are alive to Christ, because I, I like the way the Amplified put it. It yeah. says that that the uh, it says here, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is Galatians 5.22, the work which his presence within accomplishes mm-hmm. is, and then it goes down, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is, this is our new nature, the new characteristics that the Holy Spirit wants to move us in. The, what are the opposites of that? This is what yeah. Yeah. demons, spiritual forces working in our mind want us to manifest in our life. Instead of love, they want anger and hate. Instead of joy, you know, just depression and, the, and go on. Instead of peace, I'm just, I have filled with worry and anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Instead of patience, I'm irritated with everybody. I have a short fuse. <laughs> Instead of showing kindness, well, you should be mean. Look what they did to you. Goodness Let's just respond with selfishness. You know, this is mine. I need this. It's mine. Mm-hmm. Faithfulness. Well, we see a whole lot of unfaithfulness in the world today in Come so many now. facets of, of marriage and work. Gentleness. The opposite of that. Cruelty. Yes. Self-control. We've been given a spirit of self-control. Well, we do see a lot of out-of-control in the world, don't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we have to believe we've been given a new nature in Christ. This, this is who we've been recreated to be. Of course, we're not going to walk that out instantly, all right. those nine fruits of the Spirit. But we need to be f- fighting a fight of faith so that our nature begins to display this. We cannot allow ourselves to go to the other side and go, well, that's just who I am. It's not who we are. That's your old man who died and on we, the cross That's act, Yes, and so that other side, the anger, depressed, and so on, you become trapped. Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as goes with your thought life and mm-hmm. how you feel about yourself, so it goes with your love walk, yep. your joy, your peace, your patience. Your perspective on everything changes according to how you see yourself and how you end up then feeling about yourself. And you become trapped. Yes. Actually, that whole other whole column is believing a lie. This is who I am. The lie is that you're not really a new creation. And so, like, let's say when your soul, your mind, gets filled with anxious and worried thoughts, and you're just talking about it and talking about it, you have to ask yourself, well, for one thing, is this who I am in Christ? And what lie am I believing? What lie go. is the devil wanting me to believe? Why am I so anxious and worried? Well, the, the simplest you know, answer would be that God can't come through for you. He doesn't care about you. You are all alone in this world to figure this out on, by yourself. And so that lie ends up stealing your lo- the love, the joy, the peace, the hope that we are meant to yes. have in Christ. Yes. And so this brings us back to the first armor Piece of armor, which is the belt of truth. That's this
1: is the bottom line is the belt of truth, and that's in verses 13 and 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And Paul, once again, is taking it from a Roman soldier. The Roman soldier had a coat of mail, and the first thing he did was put that belt on so that, that armor wouldn't flop all over the place. That belt held his sword in place. If, you, if things were off balance when he would be running into battle, he's going to be ineffective as a soldier. So the number one thing for us to be most battle ready is that we need to know the truth. And it says, put it on. Put it on. Just like what Pastor Mamie was saying. Put it on. What's the truth compared to the lie? I'm loved. I'm not abandoned. I'm accepted. We have to have this belt of truth because once you understand the truth, it's going to give you this quiet confidence that you can stand and having done all to stand. (laughs) You know, Jesus... Before he went to the cross, in John 17, he prayed this. This is what's called the high priestly prayer of Jesus, John chapter 17. He says this, I I do not ask you to take them out of the world. He's praying for us. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Here's the key. We are not of the world just as Jesus is not of the world. He says what? sanctify them in truth. That means set them apart in truth. And he says, your word, Father, is truth. Right. We can't live our own truth because it creates what we see in the world now. The the only safe place is putting on the truth, the belt of truth. I mean, look at our culture right now. Kids right now are most more depressed and suicidal and on more antidepressants than ever before. I'm sorry to say that some of these statistics were so shocking, but they shouldn't be because the only way out of it is Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. The only way out. And the only way out, again, like Pastor Mamie says, it doesn't happen instantly. Instantly you're born again. However, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. That means you've got to understand what you're thinking. And you have to judge those thoughts according to the Word of God. Does God say this? No. So that's a lie. All you have to do is say, devil, that's a lie, and you've been caught. Now get out. I don't think that way anymore because I think with a renewed mind according to the Word of God. It says here kids from 5 to 12, 5 years old to 12 years old, they're on antidepressants. It says from in 2015 to 2021, there was a 41% increase of all of this. A study done in August 2022 said one in three teens are on antidepressants. And what is it? The COVID shutdown? We know now that COVID wasn't a big deal that they were talking about. We know that for sure. And we know that that shot has caused a lot of trouble. Brought economic turmoil. It, listen, and if you just if your kids watch the news and if your kids read the news, what is that going to produce, folks? Totally. And here's the key. Moms and dads, grandma and grandpas, you got to bring the word of God in on all of this. Because that's the saving grace. That's going to give your kids power to stand. What does it say? Having done all to stand. To stand. I mean, we can stand right in front of the devil and then stand with confidence. He's such a prideful thing. Oh, we had such a great conversation yesterday. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. You know, the Satan? Satan doesn't even have a name. He doesn't have a name. His name is not Lucifer. Think about it. He has to imitate an angel of light, he doesn't have a name. Think about that. Such a prideful being. Remind him, well, you don't even have a name. You're just in a category.
0: The, the <laughs> adversary.
1: The oh. adversary. That's so what we
0: need to know truth. <laughs> I mean, we'll bring it back to this belt of truth. Yes. Which it anchors our heart. If you have no truth, the truth is flexible oh. and there are multiple truths, I mean, it defies, the course, the meaning of the word. Yes. There aren't multiple truths. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we find the truth in the word of God. And so if, if truth is flexible, then everything starts to shift, right? And this is what we're seeing in the world today. Like in the world, you know, we live in a world where it just seems as though your mental and emotional feelings can be kind of assaulted every day just every time you pick up the news you watch something you're flipping Mm -hmm. through your phone scrolling through social media there's just you can be just feel like some days bombarded with all these narratives out there what's true what's not true and scripture warns us that we're in a warfare and it's a battle for truth we need to know the truth and here are, so, because we, we have to know the truth in order to recognize a lie. Otherwise, yes. everything becomes yes. okay. And here are some statements put together about truth. Truth, of course, is God's standard. We find it in the Word of God. We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. That's right. Truth is good news. Why is it good news? Because yeah. you can be forgiven of your sin. We just saw in that video. Hallelujah. Without the help of Jesus without his blood shed on the cross to pay for the payment for our sin, and then offering us salvation as a free gift, we would be doomed. We were condemned to hell. And so the good news is in Christ, you've been made a new creation. This is why we need to get in the word of God and find out who I really am. Who'd you make me to be? And quit, put the old man to die. We need to learn to crucify the old man.
1: I like what you said at prayer on Wednesday night. You, you, we just need to stop it.
0: Well, stop I'm so agreeing weak to and death. I always do this. And I always just like, well, let's just say I'm going to stop it in the name of Jesus. Yes. Live who we are. Truth is freedom.
1: Hallelujah. Truth. We
0: don't have to conform to the world's dictation of who we are. Like, don't let it squeeze you into its mold. But we can be, what, transformed. Yes. How? By the renewing of our mind. Come so on, that boy. we can live in, according to the will of God. And so notice where freedom begins. It begins with the thought. Mm-hmm. Mind renewal. Your mind takes and holds on to the truth. And then it creates something beautiful in Amen. your life. That's why I put truth is beauty. It really is beauty. Because truth is found in the beauty of God's word that says you are loved by God. You're deeply loved by God. Amen. You've been forgiven of your sin. You've been made blameless and holy in Christ, in the sight of God. You, it can't get any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> if, you keep, if we keep judging ourselves according to the flesh and just living in there, well, you will be depressed. Yeah. But if we magnify what the Lord has done for us, All of a sudden, things get beautiful. It's like they did in that video. They showed sort of the darkness and the blackness of the world, and they put the beauty of Eden over it. And see, this is how the interchange of heaven and earth then comes, because when we put our mind on things above, we bring that then into our life. Yes. We experience the beauty of that truth, but I have to allow the Holy Spirit To take control of my thinking. Like, look at uh, Romans 8, 6. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Yes. See, so as I anchor my heart and my mind on truth, I'm going to have different feelings. Come on. But it's going to be up to me if I'm going to make that effort up here to think differently but this is truly how heaven and earth overlap i mean humans are capable human beings we are capable made in the image of god right of partaking of the power of god's kingdom now we don't have to just say well i'm just waiting to get to heaven we're born of his spirit we have his word which is alive and can transform us, it says, by the renewing yes. of our minds. So I have to choose to yield. Some of you are waiting on God to do something, and God's waiting on you to do something. Yeah. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> because if I unite myself yep. in union with Christ in my, in my mental life, in my mind, I mm-hmm. will experience life and peace. Amen. And that's the starting place. Look at Ephesians 6.10 go back a couple verses from where we were. Yeah, be strong in the Lord. And be what? Empowered There how? you go. Through my union with him. And I'm union, this is where the union begins. Come on. <laughs> Up here in my agreement of who he made me to well, be. Well, keep reading that scripture
1: because it says, draw your strength from him. Yes. That strength which his boundless might provides. If my mind is anchored in the truth, Knowing that I'm loving and trusting in Jesus. You just, mm-hmm. that very basic. Understand that you will be empowered by His Spirit. Yes. You will be empowered to face anything that comes your way. Mm-hmm. It's always good to know so much more about the Bible. It's good to know the Scriptures. Because sometimes you're going to be coming into a situation that there is exact word in the found in the Bible that God wants you to use. And when you slap him with the sword of the Spirit, you're stinging him like he doesn't yeah. want any more to do with you. And you just keep chasing him off your territory. Yeah. You chase yeah. him out of your family. Yeah. You chase him out of everything that you go through. Because the truth is, greater is he who's in you than he who's in this
0: oh, world. Right. And so we need the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. I think sometimes that's some of our problem too. We just we take the truth and we try to work it on our own and we uh, forget yeah. it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to actually live out the truth in the word of God. And so we want to just begin to close by helping ourselves to consecrate yeah. our mind, our mental life to God. Consecrate your mind and your mental life to God. We had con- to consecrate something is to dedicate like to purposely say, Holy Spirit, I am dedicating, I'm consecrating my mind yes. and my, my thought life to you. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. And when you consecrate something, you're bringing it under the the protection and the provision of the one you're giving yourself to. That's right. How much do we need to do that? Amen? Um, for we sure. We can sometimes, again, I, I remember the Holy Spirit telling me, it's like, yeah, you take the sword and you're, you feel like you're doing all this warfare, but... You forget that you're to like, I, you are in me. Yeah. Like, you don't just jump out there and I know the truth now and I'm gonna do it. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's just begin to, you know, ask Him I wanna consecrate and dedicate my mind, my yes. mental life to you, Lord. And it's beautiful. And it's powerful because spiritual warfare is about your thought life. So we're going to say, my thoughts and my mind is dedicated to the Lord. It's consecrated and set apart for Him. I mean, you don't want your thoughts to just go here and there and everywhere. Because when you do that, if if we just don't discipline our mind, guess who's out there, what's out there saying, you're right, think that, think that, think that. And pretty soon we're living like the old man instead and, but, of the new and, and well here's the
1: great scripture is that we God has given us a sound mind. Yeah.
0: And he, so he we, did we, not
1: give us a spirit of fear but one of love and power and a sound mind. Yeah.
0: And so I want to pray this prayer and then after I pray we're going to pray it again but I want the worship team to be able to sit in their seat and do this mm-hmm. together and then after this first time then you all can get up and begin. But Father we come to you in the name of Jesus. We've been talking about important things, Lord, about the enemy who hates us because he hates you. And you're the lover of our soul. You've done, you've, you've given us such great salvation. Forgive us, Lord, for <laughs> minimizing it and just getting all confused in our mind. We, de- we take this moment, Father, we take this moment, Jesus, Holy Spirit, to consecrate our mind to you. Yes. We give our mind, our mental life, our thought life to you, Lord. All of it. I give you all my thoughts. I give you all my focus. We, I give you all my attention. I give you everything. I give you all my memories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I give you all, everything, all my understanding. I give you my imagination yes. to be used for your glory. I consecrate. We consecrate our life to you, Lord. I give you and help, ask you to help us with the interpretation of events in my life, the way I think. Let it come under your lordship. We dedicate, Lord, I dedicate my life and my mind to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name, and if the worship team will come forward.
1: Amen. You know, Satan
0: does not want Amen. you to believe the powerful truth that Christ lives in you Christ, the hope of glory. This was the mystery hidden from the ages that Paul wrote so much about in the, in the epistles.
1: Right. He said the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the that hope he, of glory. He
0: raised us up, yes, from our fallen condition and made us sit with him in heavenly places. And he's not changing his mind about it. <laughs> I mean, he knows we're not going to do this all perfectly. That's Obviously, right. we aren't. But he's given us a scripture that says if we sin and confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there we have. We have, a, we have his word on it. Yes, He knows that we will falter and sin, but we can go to him in honesty and humility and confess our sin. And he says it's cleansed. Now keep walking with yes this is what he desires keep learning of me keep learning who you are in me and let that be the dominating part of our soul and so father we're going to pray this again because sometimes you know we we just need repetition we come again father holy spirit jesus we consecrate our mind to you lord all of our mental life we give it to you i give you my thoughts I give you my focus. I give you all my attention. Mm -hmm. I give you my memory. I give you my understanding. I give you my imagination. I consecrate it all to you, Lord. My interpretation of events in my life, I give it to you. I dedicate my life, my mind, my heart, Lord God, to you and to you alone. We worship you, Jesus.
1: If you're here today and you've never... Uh, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you're really without defense against an enemy that is ruthless Jesus offers you forgiveness of your sins he offers you a new life in him he offers you security he offers you a future an eternal future living in heaven with him. He offers us pure freedom. He offers us the weapons of our warfare. These weapons are powerful through God for the pulling down of these strongholds. If you're willing to give your life to Jesus today, I'm asking you to raise your hand high enough so that I can see it. We'll pray this prayer. And Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sins and he will come in and recreate you. And you'll become this new creature the Bible talks about. Anyone here
0: at all?